0: friend, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dana. This is Words That Move Me. I am jazzed about this episode. Um, I got to talk today to not one, but two friends about one of my favorite subjects, and that is choreography and choreographers. You know what? If I'm to be very honest with you, I think it's possible that the reason why I love dance so much And the reason that I have become a choreographer is because I love people. (laughs) And that's what this is all about. This is why we're here. And I'm so thrilled to introduce you to two really, truly incredible people doing very important work in the dance choreography and organization space. Um, So I'm not going to talk too much. I want to get right to it. But first... Let's talk wins. If you're new to the pod, we do wins at the top of every episode. I'm going to tell you something that's going well in my world, and then I'm going to yield the floor and I'm going to encourage you to speak. Yes, use your voice. Say out loud, if you would, what's going well in your world. Doubly encourage you to do this if you're in public (laughs) Uh, for a cheap thrill. Okay, my win for today, oddly enough, is not dance related. I am announcing to you here, as I have announced to my husband just moments ago, (laughs) that I am in the process of adopting a dog. I don't know which dog yet. I mean, really, the process is quite early. I'm early in the process of adopting a dog. I've always been a dog person. I love dogs. I haven't had one this entire time I've lived in Los Angeles, um, away from my home in Colorado, where we've always had doggos. And uh, so here I am, 15 years without a dog, and I'm deciding, now's the time. I'm in the market. I actually recently took a quiz about what kind of dog best suits my personality. And I'm going to let the listeners guess what the answer, (laughs) or what, what my best fit was to that quiz. Oh, my goodness gracious. Not what you would expect. All right, so that's my win. I am becoming a person who has a dog. (laughs) now you go what's going well in your world okay awesome congratulations i'm so happy for you please do keep winning keep it up all right Let's get into this, shall we? Let's talk choreographers. Yes, this is part two of Money March. We are talking about choreographers, and this is not the conversation you might be expecting to hear. This is, however, the legendary Kat Burns and the one and only Craig Bayliss demystifying and discussing some very important facets of the life of a choreographer in 2021. Caveat. Things are changing. The earth is moving. Things are changing very fast. So you want to grab a pen and piece of paper to take some notes. This is a good one. Enjoy. Hi. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. This is Words That Move Me. I'm Dana, and today I am joined by the one and only Cat Burns and the fabulous Craig Bayless. Thank you guys both for being here.
1: Hey!
2: Hey! Hey! Thank you. Uh, Thanks
1: for having us. I I I like how I say us as if we're a package team. Thanks for having
2: this.
0: (laughs) Well, I take credit for all of Craig's knowledge. You should.
2: Um... You better. You better. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, okay, so at this point, uh, I the most talking that I've done with Craig is in the twenty minutes before this episode. But I' have been listening to you speak for the last couple weeks on these uh, weekly clubhouse conversations that Kat has been hosting. That's where I became uh, familiar with, you, your point of view, especially about organizing. Um, And I became an instant fan, Craig. So I'm I'm really glad that you're here. Kat, you are a longtime friend of mine and of the podcast, so jazz that you're back. Um, And maybe Kat, we'll start with you since you more or less know the show flow over here. I would love for you to introduce yourselves.
1: Hey. What's up? I'm Kat.
0: <laughs> we just took the air out of that tire, didn't we? She's like, what? This
1: isn't fun anymore. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for having me, Dana. Um, that's me trying to make my podcasting voice a little cooler than I feel like it normally is, but we won't self-hate. It's just a comment on a high vocal range. Um, I think last time, well, sidebar again, when I was on the podcast last, I think you'd only done a few weeks or something you didn't have very many at all and i was, it was so quite early yeah 64. Wow. this will be i mean i'm so, so proud fun. of you congratulations on everything and you're doing so much for the community like you always have um thank you. and congratulations thank way you to for stay that. productive during this terrible
0: time <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed productive is one of the words for sure yeah. thank you you're, i appreciate you're,
1: that you're already scheduled through. the next year and a half. I'm, I'm certain of it. Um, <laughs> I, and I think last time I was like, hi, I'm Kat Burns. I'm a choreographer, uh, which was true, but very short. Uh, I will say I'm um, Kat, Catherine Burns. People call me Kat because they can't spell it or it's just faster on set to say Cat. So there we have it. Uh, I am a choreographer and I have received two Emmys for my work, which is absolutely mind blowing. Um and the first ever for Scripted, which is awesome, which is a new category for the Television Academy.
0: I wasn't aware yeah. of that.
1: Yeah. Super that bonus. Very cool. You got to be the first at something. That work was recognized for a show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, I came up in the UCB Community Upright Citizens Brigade, which is a comedy theater. So for a long time, I guess I would describe myself as a comedian so to speak that does sketch comedy and musical comedy. Um, I had a show for a decade called Quick and Funny Musicals where we put on a new short musical every month for a month and then I was creating my own monthly show called the Raggle Taggle Dance Hour and we were about to kick off the second of the new monthly show which was a phenomenally fun variety show songs about dance thinking about dancing bits about dance of which Dana was one of the uh, Raggle Tagalons and amazing contributor to the show and obviously that got shut down yesterday it was like shows canceled I mean yesterday last year you get it right um (laughs) and then other than that fun stuff I've been I guess I could say a a strong advocate for choreographers alliance and I guess leader in that new movement and I am a co-governor for the television academy so for me and the clubhouse and meeting brilliant people let me call you brilliant Craig uh, like Craig, I um, I just kind of wanted to open up the information and stuff that I've learned. That seems kind of daunting, and I don't want to say political or jargony, but kind of those things of the business of all of the show business. And so that's what brought me to that clubhouse conversation. So that's a longer intro of me, but hi. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that, that was that was lovely. That was was like juicy, personal, funny. To the point but also I'm not left like um I don't still don't know who this person is I feel good this <laughs> is great we're <laughs> acquainted
1: meanwhile I I'm like a, a, a bee farmer this whole time and I just never mentioned that I wish it
0: <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> same that'd be cool I would find myself more interesting if I was
0: when <laughs> okay. almost as interesting as beef armor, which is what I thought. You'd...
2: That's what I thought I heard initially.
1: I, I, well, I do make beef armor on the side. It's hard to sell in LA. Texas is a big
2: hit,
0: <laughs> big hit in Texas. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you hear Cat. Kat. Okay, Craig, take it away. Tell us a little bit about you.
2: Hey, so uh, first of all, thank you uh, for having me, Dana. I appreciate it. I'm humbled uh, with the opportunity to sit here and have this conversation with you and our brilliant friend, Cat. Uh, My name is Craig Bayless, Uh, I am no longer a professional dancer or once choreographer, uh, but I started my business, I started my career in the business as a dancer and choreographer. Uh, I come from the era of the 90s, Uh, I danced for a host of people in music videos, I toured for seven years, I choreographed a number of known recording artists uh, at that time from Boyz to Men to Shanice uh i decided towards the end of the 90s that i wanted to do something else something else with my career behind the scenes uh and that decision was based on uh my hankering to go to college so i quit dance in 1997 literally four months after i finally got my sag card uh I got my SAG card as an actor in 97, and I said, this is cool, but I need to have something to fall back on, so I decided to go away to college. I went away to college, and I got my degree in broadcast journalism at Southern University, a historically black college in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I had no intent of being an anchor, although my professors swore that I would be an anchor, and I said, I don't want to do that, but I just want to get through with school. I got through with school, got my degree, and I moved back to LA with an intent to work in the music business. My goal was to work on the other side of the camera, where I saw the folks that were looking at the viewfinders and standing next to the director and understand that space behind the scenes, that space that I saw from the purview of a dancer and choreographer when I was a performer. So fast forward, uh, I got my first job in the music business at Warner Brothers Records, uh, where I worked with a host of artists. Uh, uh, Started out in radio promotions, was uh, promoted to a marketing coordinator, then quickly promoted to a product manager, marketing director, same thing. And then moved into a department called artist development and tour marketing. Did that for a while, did a couple more things in the business, My last industry job was at Sony Music at Epic Records as an artist development and tour marketing uh, director of their department there in New York. Um, So uh, when I departed my profession as a dancer, I had an intent that if I got this wacko opportunity to transition from professional dancer to so-called executive in the music business, I am going to you know, uh, behave as a agent of dancers inside the record company, one, try, inside the record industry, I should say, first trying to figure out what is the misunderstanding of who dancers and choreographers are? What is the struggle? Why are they always trying to fight to be justly compensated, protected? And treated like the professionals that they are, mm-hmm. that was my that that was my secret goal. Uh, so anyway, fast forward, having worked for two major record companies, I think I have a pretty good idea of what the issue has been. But I find that the dance community figured that out as well in 2012 when they organized successfully and arrived at their first music video contract, something that we did us dancers. Were, uh, were hoping for, were fighting for back in the 90s and we had never arrived at that. Mm-hmm. So my opportunity to celebrate the success of what you guys uh, achieved uh, was to ensure that in my work at the record company that I will enforce or at least continue to educate my colleagues in the business as to what this means and how it's painless to us as a record company. And it does not fiscally cripple the record company at all to basically pay dancers what they're supposed to be paid. Uh, So fast forward, uh, left Epic Records in 2015. uh, And after meeting a gentleman by the name of Steve Sadawi who was the union uh, staffer and executive and spirit of what you guys achieved as a dance community by virtue of that contract, Uh, after meeting him in 2012 through truly social media, the union decided that they were looking for an organizer that had music industry experience. And Steve recalled that I had been working in the music industry and I used to be a dancer. And Steve asked me, would I be interested in coming to work for the union? And the opportunity that I got to work for the union was based not on the salary because I wasn't making anything near what I was making you know, uh, as a professional in the music industry. But Steve laid out some pretty invaluable aspects of the job. You actually get to look out for the best interests of performing artists, specifically recording artists. And since you were a professional dancer and you understand the rudiments of what Dancers Alliance was and what the dance community is, You know, I would like you to also work on the organizing uh, projects or campaigns as it pertains to dancers as well. So here was an opportunity to be able to look out for, to work in the interest of performers, essentially the school that I come from and not have to apologize about it. <laughs> big contrast from working at a record company you have to be careful
0: right right no secret hidden agendas
2: exactly so I took the job and this is essentially how I had the opportunity to learn about the touring agreement God bless you Dana Wilson
0: oh God bless uh, Justin Timberlake for sure and and and
2: and certainly God God bless uh, uh Justin Timberlake for having the uh Having the gumption to understand how painless this was to him, and how beneficial this was to the people that uh, are his are his uh, his peers, professional dancers and choreographers, uh, and also singers. And this is also and through sag after I had the opportunity to meet the Cat Burns, <laughs> the Tony Testas, the Liz Imperios,
1: Tara Nicole, Galen Hooks. Yeah. Uh,
2: yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, Steve charged me with the, uh, with the prospects of figuring out how I can work with, uh, the choreographers and arriving at the type of protections that they actually deserve as well. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, my tenure at, 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 uh, at SAG-AFTRA working with the choreographers was more of a study for me than it was a, uh, a managerial uh, position. I got to learn a lot more about spaces that I wasn't quite as familiar with, as far as contracts were concerned. In contrast, that to the flip side of it, which is the music industry, which has, which is, which has culminated into what Cat has caused in the past couple weeks—a very wide 360 conversation about the space of choreography and the opportunities that we're now talking about now.
0: Yes, that is what we're here for today. This kind of 360 view. Um, but I'm going to start from like a worm's eye view. We're going to just like at street level demystify and um, just explain some acronyms, number one, <laughs> but some vocab, a little bit of terminology that from the outside looking in might be intimidating or daunting. But um, I've Googled and I'll ask you guys to keep an eye on my blind spots and as I kind of I'll just blast I'll I'll just blast through uh, a little bit of this vocab.
1: Is Google our new uh, Encyclopedia Britannica?
0: Oh for sure. Which by yes. the way, we had <laughs> in my house the full the the whole jam. And I remember those were heavy and they had a smell and they had a touch. I loved mm-hmm. looking stuff up in books. Um okay, vocab. So I'm, I will just blast through a couple of these very sexy acronyms. And then if you guys pick up on a, a blind spot or, or an area where I might um, or where you might be able to contribute more information, I welcome that openly, gladly. Uh, OK, so last week we were talking specifically dancers and money. So not even the working conditions side of contracts, but really just what does a dancer make? How do they make it? How might they manage it? Um, so we, we, we discussed SAG-AFTRA, we discussed DA, we discussed P and H, and we discussed IRAs, which we did not go into much depth on, by the way. But someday I will have a, a real financial professional come to talk about your individual retirement accounts. Um, so, today I want to start by talking about some of the other key players in terms of labor unions. We'll start with DGA, or the Directors Guild of America. That's the labor organization that represents directors and members of the directorial team. So, not just the person that wears the hat that says, I'm the director, but their teams um, that work in film, televisions, televisions, film, television, <laughs> commercials. Um, documentaries, news, sports, uh, things like that. And then we have the AFM. This is the American Federation of Musicians, which is the union that represents, as you musicians. might imagine, <laughs> yes, instrumental musicians. But this is interesting because we're called the, uh, we, uh, they are called the American Federation of Musicians, but it also does include Canada, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. And I did not know that. Um. Jumping over, another super fun acronym, is the S.D.C. S.D.C. stands for Stage Directors and Choreographers Society. Other unknown fact, this used to be known as the Society of Stage Directors and Choreographers, S.S.D.C. But now we just slop off the first S because we're lazy. But that union represents directors and choreographers, but specifically those working on Broadway, or national tours, even off-Broadway shows, or various installations or residencies, um, even including dinner theaters or regional theaters, um, things of that nature throughout the United States. That's just US. Um, okay, so keeping on the acronym track, the trackronym. Next up, uh, big, big player. Well the- done. Thank you. I love a word gather. Um, I believe they're actually called portmanteaus. I think when you slice two words together, I'll have to ask Google. Um, Okay, pushing forward, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. So this is the big, big collective that bargains. um, it's, It's essentially the bargaining representative for virtually any industry-wide production between the production and the guild or the union that represents the talent that will be working on that project. So it's the AMPTP talking to SAG-AFTRA or the AMPTP talking to DGA or talking to AFM. So that's sort of the the role that AMT, AMPTP plays in that whole Picture, um, am I am I missing anything? Or Craig or Kat, do you want to go deeper on any one of those?
2: So you know, I you know I can uh, expound on the AMPTP just a little bit. Uh, certainly not as a representative of the AMPTP. The AMPTP, for one, is not a union. Uh, they are a trade organization. They are the AMPTP is basically comprised of all of the producers of television and film. Uh, they are the they are the uh, the industry's employers. Of the performers with whom the union negotiates with, mm-hmm. so uh, I think it's important for you know for our listeners and you know for us to understand that they are not a union. They basically represent the employee community uh, that uh, we've all worked for at some point, point. and the contracts at SAG-AFTRA. Uh, including the net code contract, uh, the theatrical contract, so on and so forth, they're all affected by the collective bargaining that happens between the AMPTP and SAG-AFTRA. Uh, while I can't, while while I won't get involved into the uh, uh, into the uh, technicalities of the contract or whatever, it's very important for us to to be aware of exactly who they are. they they're they're the big dog in the room uh, that the union negotiates with.
0: Mm, That is huge. Thank you so much for clearing that up.
1: And is it fair to say, uh, if you have a covered contract or a CBA or collective Mm -hmm. bargaining agreement, Mm -hmm. that that has been approved by the A and PTP.
2: The agreement
1: PTP contract.
2: The agreement is generally between, uh, the A and PTP. Yes.
0: Amazing. See how much clarity do we have already? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> it's about to get. Yeah, we we are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> we just be
2: googling. At... We're...
0: <laughs> I take. <laughs> I <laughs> we be encyclopedic.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that works too.
0: <laughs> well, I'm about to ask way more questions than I have answers for, so mm-hmm. um, have the googles on deck. <laughs> um, okay, I think possibly the only other. Um, like technical term that might be a little bit mysterious that I, I know will come up in this conversation is this concept of work for hire or it's sometimes broken down into the acronym WFH. Um, work for hire whoo, uh, is a sticky one. It's, it is basically an exception to the general copyright rule that says the person who creates the work is the legally recognized author of the work. Um, In the context of this conversation where we're talking about choreographers and their choreography, um, when a choreographer is engaged as a, a work for hire or they're creating a work for hire, according to copyright law in the U.S., if a work is made for hire, in quotes, the employer, not the employee, is considered the legal author of that work. So take a second and let that sink in. <laughs> and we'll circle back to work for hire in a second. Um, but I, w- I would actually love to start this conversation since I did talk so much about um, the union and Dancers Alliance in last week's episode. What I wanna talk about and introduce an idea that might be new to many of my listeners who are primarily dancers is that choreographers for the screen don't actually have union coverage. We don't have it, it blows my mind. Um, so maybe Craig, I'll start off with you as somebody who's worked in many different sectors of the entertainment industry, but worked with SAG-AFTRA for several years. Could you tell me what what would union coverage mean for a choreographer?
2: Well, union coverage would mean for a choreographer, uh, and I, and I am not speaking on behalf of choreographers in this context. I'm speaking, you know, on behalf, I'm I'm speaking as a member of SAG-AFTRA. I'm speaking as a person that has enjoyed some of the benefits of the many contracts at SAG-AFTRA. Union coverage for choreographers would mean to choreographers what it means for professional dancers. It would mean the same thing that it means for the actors. It would mean the same thing that it would mean for the background actors. It would mean the same thing that it means for stunt performers. It would mean the same thing that it means for vocalists. It would mean the same thing that it means for every other performer That's that is set. covered under the contract. <laughs> so it, it is work uh, and it is work that is justly uh, deserving of coverage.
3: Right,
2: That also means opinion. the
1: same for the costumers and the gaffers yes and Mm -hmm. the dps which are the directors of photographers Mm -hmm. literally everybody except for a a pa which is a production assistant is covered by a
0: union except for choreographers right so what we're talking about here is not only collective bargaining and and decided upon fair wages but we're also talking about protection in terms of working conditions turnaround times um, healthcare and pension contributions residual structures stuff like that does not exist for choreographers as of today and this is this is a huge deal so kat you've started having these clubhouse conversations around the subject of you know, choreographers finding a category somewhere at some union that will represent us in our work. Um, What what seems to be like the temperature of the choreographer community? How do people feel about doing this? And how do you feel about doing this? And by doing this, I mean, like, winning union representation.
1: I think as a community it's been talked about ad nauseum. So some people are a little averse to being like, we're talking about it more on Clubhouse, Uh, but there always seems to be a new group of people that are stunned to, to learn a lot of information about choreographers and the work and the lack of representation and protection. So it's really overdue. I mean, yeah the community has been wanting uh, representation for a really long time i do think uh, it's a little tricky because even within the community of choreography for television specifically scripted television versus a variety show or an award show that's televised on a network versus artist work for a music video or artist work for a tour or a commercial they have different needs i will say the biggest difference is between scripted television and artist work. Mm -hmm. They're they're kind of two different worlds of which, I mean, working in scripted television points to the script, obviously. So the the work for hire for that is like, I'm kind of okay with, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm working under these conditions, but a lot of times choreographers for artists will create everything. I mean, you do under scripted as well, but I'm just saying, and then their work goes on specifically on tour, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what you do for a music video one day for that day rate Will all will be all that the choreographer will receive for the life of that movement, which blows my mind. It just doesn't right. seem right. right when the SDC has figured it out. Like the East Coast has figured it out, right? And on the West
0: Coast, we're like, huh. So let's talk about that a little bit. So on the East Coast, for a a Broadway musical, for example, you have a choreographer Andy Blankenbuehler, let's say for Hamilton, who is who has there's a point system and he has a point for being a choreographer on that show. Um, actually, I it might be a fraction of a point. I don't know how the point system works, you guys. I'll just be- A royalty of that. Very mm-hmm. transparent. Um, so for sales made from the Hamilton show, touring casts included, Andy sees a portion of that. And in my eyes, that is the world that it should be. Right. That is Andy's work out there working in the world. Um, And, you know, we see the same thing for on camera talent in commercials and films here. Anything past first usage or that initial use period, uh, uh, I will see I, the performer, will see a royalty for. And it blows my mind that I can be enjoying the 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 choreography of. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, why is this the first thing coming to my mind? I'm so excited. I can't wait. Kenny Ortega, hocus pocus. The Sanderson's (laughs) are doing that walk down the street. And I'm like, I've watched this a billion times. And I'm sure Kenny Ortega is doing just fine. He's very talented, very capable human being. But come on. That's a unique example, by the way, because Kenny Ortega also directed that film. Um, But I I believe that there should be a residual structure and and other protections in place for choreographers. And where might we find it? So we just talked about the SDC. We talked about the Directors Guild. We talked about SAG-AFTRA. Where do choreographers fit? And that's not such an easy question to answer, right? Because SAG-AFTRA, we're talking on-camera talent we're talking audio right recording artists um and that's not a choreographer so i don't know kat where do you think will fit best
1: well craig actually well where we fit best is a different question um craig can speak on the the audio it's also audio visual is mm. what he's said to me mm. in description of sag after and mm-hmm. maybe i'll pass it over to him to describe that more yeah but this is a big question the, the ask is simple we want Set daily minimum, daily, like minimum. So, if, you know, if you are an experienced choreographer and you've worked decades, maybe you get double scale, but, if, but a base minimum so that the producer can't do anything lower than the minimum. Mm-hmm. You at least know where you're starting from. We want PH, not contributions towards it if you've been in the union for five years, like PH, pension and health. And then we want a residual structure. So, a small percentage of the shared pool is great and it wouldn't take money out of anyone else's pockets. Um, And with those things, you know, within a contract there's like holiday pay. What is it like if you work on a holiday? What is it like if you work more than eight hours? All of this is like, doesn't exist (laughs) in the choreography world. So the ask is pretty simple. Everyone seems to want it. SAG-AFTRA has actually been really helpful in working with us for years to try to make this happen, I will say. And then, but the other question is, do we do a a choreographer's guild? right mm-hmm. which would be that could look over lots of things do we join the dga for for tours could work as well um is there a section of SDC that could then cover some tour work because they do have contracts available for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but um I, I think a unified voice within the choreography community is still the aim that will get us to what we want so craig very clearly has said a lot of times it's up to you guys it's up to the choreographers to band together Mm -hmm. and he's laid out some really simple organizing things that I don't even think about like for example if you me you Dana and myself and let's say three other choreographers are all hired separately on an award show let's say and we find out who else is doing it although we never in rehearsal together we never talk to each other we're in our own island but we under choreography spirit Talk about our contracts. Talk about how much we're getting paid. Um, we talk to each other. That alone is, isn't happening. <laughs> uh, we talk to each other and say, what are you getting? What are you getting? And then we realize, oh, we're not being treated fairly. This isn't okay for this product that we're delivering. This is gonna go on and live for years and years and years. So we, us five or six, I forget how many I said, can write a letter and say, we are asking from the production who, who we know, This and this and this and this. And, you know, obviously you want to be reasonable to get what you want. Mm -hmm. And it should, our asks are reasonable. Then you guys can go to your own producers. You don't have to wait for your agents to do it. Your agents can negotiate whatever they want, but legally they can't tell you what to take. And I think a lot of people understand that. We're like, oh, my agent said it's my agent. It's like, no, (laughs) your agent can only advise and it's actually illegal for them to tell you what to take. Is that right, Craig? Mm. Am I
2: saying this correctly? It, it, it's correct. And can, you mind if I expound? Please. Please. So solidarity, you know, is such a sexy word. Oh, um, we
0: should have put it in the vocab. It should have kicked <laughs> this whole thing off.
2: It is, it, you know, solidarity is such a sexy word. And that's unfortunate that it's the sexy word. It's a, it's a real thing. Like, you know, what, what Kat just laid out, you know, is an opportunity that happens all the time, where there are five separate choreographers. The Grammys is coming up. Grammys is coming up this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So there's going to be five choreographers that's done work, that's doing work this week for the Grammys. Kat's not saying that she should know what Dana negotiated. Kat is saying that we should at least know that there is a consistent scale for us to come to work that day. That's it. Are we are we so so the five of us that are working this job for whatever show it is, do we are are, are we all comfortable with the fact that we're all at least making a a uniform minimum scale for our work? Anything that we've negotiated above scale is essentially no one's business. Okay? Kat's earned what she's earned throughout the years. Dana has earned what she's earned throughout the years. And any other experience or emerging choreographer, they design what their value is based on their demand as a choreographer. But before we go to work, have we agreed as a community? Let me take that turn back. Have we agreed as an industry, as a community of professionals, that we are going to work for a minimum scale? And it's not until we arrive as, at that consistent form of solidarity in the community that producers are going to hear a uniform a uniform voice more importantly respect what cat is saying because dana is not saying the same thing if what cat is saying and this is just basic so this is basic like uh sociology if cat's saying the same thing that dana's saying then maybe they're saying the right thing because me as a producer and as a director or a manager, I, I'm not a professional dancer. I'm not a professional choreographer. I don't even understand the economy of the dance and choreography industry. That's why we just, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Spitball, whatever our negotiating, you know, uh, 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 concerns are with dancers and choreographers. We don't know what we're supposed to be paying them. We just know we don't want to pay them. So, so, so to what Kat is saying solidarity is solidarity is really the foundation of causing the community's voice to resonate with the decision makers. So let me not impose on the choreographers and the community of professionals that's doing this work and uh, insert my personal opinion on where I think they fit okay. So, so I won't I won't do that. Mm-hmm. But there are quite a few choices and opportunities in the entertainment sphere for the choreographers to be respected and accepted. That's the bottom line, okay? I have some ideas that I will continue uh, advocating in the interest, verbally, vocally. Uh, uh, to my friends that are in the choreographer in the choreography committee, and I will continue, you know, uh, reiterating my thoughts on that, because I worked for SAG-AFTRA, mm-hmm. and I understand that SAG-AFTRA, at its core, believes in the protection for the choreographers, and SAG-AFTRA, hit the Screen Actors Guild. And the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, Mm -hmm. historically, they are founded on representing for AFTRA, the voices Mm -hmm. and the television performers and the Screen Actors Guild for performers in front of the camera in theatrical productions, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, film, motion Mm -hmm. pictures. That is who they are. So... So there's an elephant in the room that has not chosen to raise their hand and accept the opportunity to lend, not not to lend, to extend protections to this community. And therein lies the question, where is that fit? Mm -hmm. The precedence is most proximate in SAG-AFTRA.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: because SAG-AFTRA represents professional dancers and most choreographers in this business, world-class choreographers, they were born into this industry as professional dancers. Mm-hmm. Kat received her membership in the organization through, con- through through the commercials contract at SAG-AFTRA. I received my membership at SAG through a on-screen uh, 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 principal acting role On a television show through Mm -hmm. AFTRA as a dancer on another television show Mm -hmm. so we've all enjoyed the coverage of these contracts as performers and what the community must continue to accept is that they are creative executives Mm -hmm. as choreographers and there needs to be a understanding, and I actually know that Kat understands this, and I knows I know that a host of uh, our other esteemed leaders in the choreographers community understand that their role as choreographers are 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 not that distant from that as, uh, not that distant from that of the filmmaker, the director, mm-hmm. the producers, and so on and so forth. So uh, I threw that out there for you guys to chew on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think what I am picking up is that we could go anywhere, but we won't go anywhere unless we're unified. We, We won't go anywhere without solidarity across the board. And something interesting that I really hadn't thought about until you just said it, Kat, is that no union representation is required to write a letter. On behalf of five people, exactly. on behalf of exactly. five people, on behalf of six people, we're letting you know, producer, that we are or are not okay with this baseline minimum rate. We are or are not okay with the overtime or the hours or the safety right. conditions on this particular project. On behalf of us five, we'd like to advocate for something else, or <laughs> exactly. we, we we'd propose this solution. That doesn't require a, a union. So I. That's that's a really inspiring thing. Can I say don't... two things? Yeah, please. Uh
2: uh you know, uh your your face lit up as you said that and I want you to know that, you know, as corny as this sounds, like my like my heart lit up as I saw <laughs> you exp- reiterate that. And I'm going to tell you something. There is no unionization or organizing is not possible without solidarity.
0: It's the one requirement, isn't
2: it? It's the one requirement. (laughs) And if solidarity was a, you know, was a behavior Mm -hmm. of all workers, if it was a behavior of all workers, unions probably wouldn't have to exist. Unions exist because of greed, Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. and hyper-capitalism. That's why unions exist. I always say this, that I I, I actually, I, I tell people this and they're like, what? But I'm going to say what I tell people. I don't believe in unions. What do you mean you don't <laughs> believe in unions? And I'm like, I don't believe that unions should have to exist. I wish that when Dana went to work, her employer understood what her worth was and understood that making a living was not just her salary, but was her ability to make sure that she has P&H contributions for her and her husband. This is why I don't believe in unions, okay? So when I say that, I do do I, I do that to, to startle people, but there is an <laughs> altruistic uh, strategy behind me saying that. It's mm-hmm. saying that, like my friend Kat just said, if we were able to behave uh, and exercise solidarity, we're able to achieve most of what we want to achieve, right? most of the time. And here's the flip side. The second thing that I wanted to say was that I've never met a dancer. I've never I've never met a choreographer that chose this field to get rich.
0: <laughs> I talked about it last week. As a matter of fact, nope, very <laughs> rarely. However, the odd and interesting thing to me is that most of the time, if we abandon this dream, this creative life—it's usually because of the money. But I want to circle back to something that you just mentioned, Craig, and that was this belief or disbelief in unions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I honestly, I I think I may have been born with union boots. <laughs> um, my <laughs> my mom is a flight attendant, but mm-hmm. I have been in in various uncomfortable situations. Mm. Um, also, I'm a middle child. I, mm-hmm. I delight in seeing both sides of a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering what you might say to somebody who presents you with this argument, like, listen, minimum rates become the maximum rate. And so I don't wanna be a part of a union. I don't subscribe to that. I m- My established choreographer rate is so far beyond what you're talking about as a minimum. No way, I just will not agree with that. Um, how? What's what's your angle on that perspective?
2: Okay, uh, my angle. Well, first of all, I want to be clear. I am <laughs> the the conceptual speak that I just share with you guys about <laughs> the union. Be clear, everyone.
0: You're pro union, but you but you really are pro humans.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you're,
1: but it's so weird how you just said. You're, you're Craig. You're pro union. You're anti this. Right. Like these become political talking points. Exactly. Where it's like, thank God I'm not running for any kind of office because one sentence can ruin your whole career. It is. It, but-
2: <laughs> as as a word person and as a you know as a as a journalism major, like I'm so I'm very much aware of that. So yes, yeah, so I, I wanted to clear that up. Be very very clear.
1: And on the on the political, just a nod for people to think about. Um, You know, we're talking about unions that are entertainment specific, but this all points back to the National Labor Relations Board, right? The NLRB. NLRB. When we talk about unionizing and we talk about acronyms, we have to understand this is all pointing to a government mandated rule that can change every four years.
3: Yep. Right? Yes. Yep.
1: So climate, political climate does impact us. Totally professionally. does. Totally does. So sorry. Could just wanted to add that
2: little we should, political thing in. We That's should strange. definitely stick a pin in that right there. Uh, yes, and get and get back to it in a second. But to your yes, question, please. what do I say to a person that is essentially a an above scale uh a professional?
0: Or to somebody who's stuck on this idea that minimums become the maximum and that they're agreeing to um A contract such as a choreographers in SAG-AFTRA type of Mm -hmm. contract or that Mm -hmm. that them agreeing to being part of a union is them agreeing to a lower rate forever.
2: Uh, I think that's absurd. I think, uh, you know, the purpose of unions is to establish a standard for the people that do the work that is being protected by the union contract. It is a standard. Okay. And if you don't have a protected standard in any industry, then there's no starting point for anyone. So what that person is actually saying is that the uh, what, minimums become, becomes the maximum uh, become minimums become the maximum. That's a, they're entitled to that opinion, but it's a counterproductive thought because to not believe that there should be a standard uh, because of where you are, that completely pulls away and diminishes the uh, the promise for for the young dancers that you guys are hiring to work for you these days. The, the the goal is to establish the goal is to establish a standard so that anyone that goes to work knows what they're going to work for. Um, and
1: then also with within that minimum if if we did receive a a union contract somewhere mm-hmm. which when we do mm-hmm. um oftentimes when a producer reaches out to an agent they say hey, we want to hire a cat. I'm like, for what <laughs> like mm-hmm. what am i doing yeah. is it an actor walking is it a day of rehearsal mm-hmm. is it a big movie we're all need lots of rehearsal mm-hmm. so that also what they don't share with our agents which i think other other uh positions might be shared Mm -hmm. but um they don't share the budget so is it a low budget is it an indie film is it an ultra is it a sag ultra low budget is it so once we establish a minimum uh it will it will automatically go up and down based on the contract that job has
0: but it will never go below what it is
1: correct i mean like it might like a A minimum for a a bigger budget movie is going to be a different minimum than it is an ultra low budget independent film. That rate is going to go down, but our agents and we don't have to negotiate it. It will be set and standard. Mm -hmm. But I think a few valuable things about the minimum is we think we're thinking about this one day, Mm -hmm. but if we we receive a residual, then you're going to get that day again and then some. So it's not just that one day, which is what's been our biggest problem you receive one day work for the lifetime of the project.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I think that's something that a lot of choreographers don't consider. We get very interested in this upfront number, our day rate, which is the only number, yeah, it's the only number we're used to talking about Right. without right. thinking about those health and pension contributions, without thinking about the residual structures that will inevitably eventually come around. Uh, well, maybe not inevitably, if the thing you're working on doesn't ever reach its, its beyond its initial use. But um, those are really important things to think about. Thank you for- I wanted to say
1: one other thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, thank you.
0: Thank you for literally
1: everything. <laughs> um, also, I love your compliments. I'm like so bad at compliments, but you were so good at giving them and they're so detailed and juicy and I love them. Oh my God,
0: thank you. Uh, I'm flattered by that. It's, I, I love Thank that. you for giving me a compliment about my complimenting. <laughs>
1: And also you can see how mine are just like pretty vague. You're like, you're good at that. Good job. Um, but the, so what I personally love about the minimum, right? Is so say someone's saying to me, well, first off, uh, now a producer, if, if we have a line, we become a line item. If we, if we, if, and when we receive a contract and there's a set, you can Google it. What is the minimum mm-hmm. for a choreographer? Da, 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 da. So a producer will then put before they even start hiring people, They read through a script and let's say we're saying dance focus. They can look and see how many times dance is written in the script, how, and how big is it? How big are the actors? How professional the person do you need? Is it not a big deal? Is it a massive deal? And they, once they know what that minimum might be by having it in their book, the unit production manager, the UPM, um, they can, they can properly budget for it. Yes. But right now they're guessing
0: because everybody's numbers are different.
1: Right, so it's like they're guessing and then they're saying, this is all we have, this is all I've budgeted for. So it doesn't give our agents a lot of room to say, well, so it becomes a take it or leave it situation anyways, for the most part. Um, and so then up, but, but what I personally would love about a minimum is like, let's say it's just I'm there to help somebody walk across the, they just want them to look graceful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a. we can't give you your scale, we can't give you your rate but we can give you the minimum. I might be like, all right, whatever. It's up to me to make that decision at that point. And then I'm empowered versus a really big job that I really want to do that fits all my three Ps, which I talked to you about the other day, which is pay, prestige, and passion. Ooh, <laughs> all those. Days. And I'm like, all I want is, but it doesn't fit the pay, right? It's like these big actors, this big job, it's exactly what I want to do for my career, but they're like, sorry. And then I'm getting $500 a day. Which, as if you don't know, that's extremely low for a choreographer. So what Craig was getting in the '90s is still being offered to people currently, and has been. Um, But also in the '90s and the '80s, choreographers were making. I've been told, and we've been told, that fifteen hundred—that's one thousand five hundred dollars a day—back then was fair and normal. And And that's pretty standard. We're still fighting for that standard rate today.
0: Wow. Not to talk money, but to talk money a little bit. Cause it no, money you, yet, have you have know? to. It's, it's important. It's also Money March on the podcast. So that's why, <laughs> literally why we're you here. Got better
2: talk about that money.
0: We do. It's important. I, I think. And. Go ahead. And, sorry. And that $1,500
1: could be, could be for the next Beyonce video that then that everyone is recreating for lifetimes and billions. lifetimes. And that choreographer would only make that $1,500 that one day, or if they had a week of rehearsal, whatever. But then after that,
0: dance scene. That, that's our gentle segue to our next it. topic. I saw it coming. Which I, <laughs> we're not going to go too deep, you guys, for the yeah. same time. But I do want to talk about the idea of copywriting, dance, ownership, intellectual property in general. Um, this is a massive, massive topic that will probably require – Uh, follow-up and certainly some legal (laughs) advice, (laughs) Um, but maybe maybe Kat, could you give us a really quick catch-up on what's happening now in terms of copywriting choreography?
1: Hmm, Sure. Uh, So there's a few, like I said, there's a few different worlds of which we're living in, which is like scripted versus artist work. Um, To be honest, there's no way that CBS is going to hand over the work for hire clause. Meaning there's no way they're going to not
0: use that clause?
1: Correct. Everybody under in a television show is is signing off their rights for work for hire. But the difference is the, the rates are changing. They have a lot of unions have protection of once you are within that show, what you get. And then also uh, you will receive a kind of residual if your creative work is being used over and over again. Mm. So for example, the the writing, the writing writers' guild has a very clear hierarchy of like, the, and they call them producers, even though they're writers. We don't understand it, but, and there's very clear pay increases as the seasons progress and how much money the writers are making. Mm. And then also what I learned, which is interesting, if a writer's, if into a writer's episode of like written by, they introduce a new character and this character is being used episode to episode. Every time that character appears on screen, the writer makes more money, makes a residual. So when I say the work for hire clause is there, sure, but people are getting passive income with the life and success of the project. Awesome. Which Got it. choreographers should get as well. Got because, it. Uh, and We just want a portion, a small, a small part of the pool of residual that everybody else on that, get so for me that work for hire is fine mm-hmm. but I will say one thing that happened to me that happened to me that is where I'll segue into the artist world and the label and uh, am I saying that correct the label world I'll pass <laughs> it over fine. to Greg, but that's his world
3: <laughs> well done um, Kat
1: <laughs> like I said I'm so smart I totally went to college granted it was a state <laughs> school but anyways let's continue um <laughs> so what was I saying oh um okay this is where it intersected for me personally I was, chore- I was choreographed, in Dana, you remind me of the choreographer's name when I get to it because you say it so perfectly, and I, like I said, state school. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, I was hired to choreograph uh, a scene for Better Things, and they said, you're going to teach the mom, the daughter, and the grandma, so Pamela Avalon show, and um, all the lead actors from that, the, the Christine and the Queens tilted video, and I was like, I love that video, but I cannot take choreography credit for that. If I do this, well, first I said, do you have, did you buy it? (laughs) Like, can you legally do it? And they said, yes, we paid the label, we paid the artist. I go, well, does the choreographer know? Did the choreographer get paid? And the producer was like, well, the label said they would take care of it, but let me reach out personally, which I appreciate. And so the original choreographer's name
0: is... Marion Motin, I think, is how it's pronounced. (laughs) I'm definitely not French speaker over here,
2: but
0: yeah. You <laughs> like how I just passed that
2: off? I saw you. I wish the I wish the viewers could have seen your face, cat, when you were like, "Yeah, you got that, Dana." You got yeah, that, we'll Dana. Go with that. <laughs> Hit it,
1: anyways. Uh, exactly, Marianne. Marianne? Mary, anyways, Marianne, score, Marion.
0: Marion. 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 M A R I O N. There you go.
1: Correct, and I and so the and so because it's in France, and maybe because they didn't sign the work for hire clause. Or an artist uh, that choreographer got paid for my work which I love mm-hmm. great and I got adapted choreography by because let's be honest Christine the Queens and their awesome French dancers are going to look much different than doing choreography of a mom daughter and grandmother <laughs> with with next to no dancing skills like Pamela had never danced ever in her life and so we had like a rehearsal once a week until anyways But that wasn't a parody, which was a different thing. Mm -hmm. By parody law, it looks like, feels like it's saying something else in the very layman's way of saying it. But they wanted to recreate as close as possible sets and everything, costumes and everything, choreographies and everything. They wanted to recreate the dance verbatim.
0: Got it. So she was credited as choreographer and you were credited as adapting, adaptive choreographer or... Yeah, I think we
1: did original choreography by and then, and then adapted adapted choreography, choreography by. by.
0: Cool, that's awesome! What a huge victory! And that's because you thought to ask.
1: Exactly, so the, the- I've learned, I've learned that lesson. I I have done a job once, even under parody law, where it was really close, mm-hmm. and I and I wish I I would have asked. And I, I always change it, even though they say we want to do it exactly. And if it's a comedy and a parody, I always change it. Huge, but I mean, there was a Super Bowl commercial. That I'm sure a lot of people paid a lot of money for, that did the exact dirty dancing choreography with the exact part of the music, singing of Kenny Ortega. Here we are, Kenny. And I called Kenny. I was like, were you contacted? He said, no. I I wasn't a part of it at all. Nobody even
0: asked. My heart just crumbled into dust. It's on the floor now. I'm going to have to vacuum it up. It's obviously a, a really pressing and important issue especially now that TikTok is taking over there are tons of video games that feature dance and popular dance and the choreographers are are not at the table in terms of negotiating so they they're they're invisible their bank accounts are unaffected by the tremendous bump in usage of dance in the world today it's wild to me so question for you Craig on the subject of of this idea of I guess, ownership and usage slash licensing, maybe? (laughs) Um, What are the hurdles unique to dance and choreography? What are the hurdles for uh, that, like copywriting a dance work or getting rid of the work for hire clause? What's hard about that? And what could we gain if if we're able to do that successfully?
2: I think the greatest hurdles for choreographers in the copyright space, in the IP space, I think the hurdles, and this and I, I want this to be taken as encouragement uh first of all uh the industry needs to understand where the royalties and or residuals are already being divv- divvied out
0: i.e the writers
2: yeah, un- under- yeah understand that there is a pot that exists already mm-hmm. okay So, and and I want us to think about this from a big picture point of view. Let's not just think television. Let's not just think movies. Let's think every medium that choreography is used, okay? So that's number one. That's hurdle number one. Very easy one to clear. We can Google it, right? Number two is, where are the funds coming from that, will effectuate precedents for choreographers to be able to procure copyright or intellectual property right, uh, intellectual property uh, protections. Where's that money coming from? So one, money's being divvied out across all you know, all spaces of the entertainment industry already, residuals and royalties and so on and so forth. So identify where that's already happening. That's mm-hmm. hurdle number one, choreographers can clear that. Number two is where are these funds going to come from? where are choreographers going to seek compensation or let's just say reuse a residual or royalty compensation from the use of their copyright that's hurdle number two i don't think that that's a high hurdle at all number three is creating a formula that is friendly for your artistic and creative peers let's speak about music So as far as music is concerned, we there was an example that was brought up a minute ago, and the question was asked. Well, you know, well we already cleared it with the record company. That's fine. You cleared the music with the record company, but did you clear the choreography with the record company? Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll go back to the record company and we'll we'll figure that out. That's precedence that's been swept under the rug. It happened. It was a good event. It was actually noble of the you know noble of the producer to go back to the record company and make sure everything was clear. Appreciate that but there's precedence there that there was a challenge that, listen, you clear the music, but there's choreography that was designed to this music for these purposes. And you need to make sure that this choreography has been cleared specifically for this purpose, Mm -hmm. okay? So I mentioned the two hurdles that I think are able to be cleared, but the third hurdle is creating a formula that makes sense that the creative and artist, the performing artist community, can actually side with. What the hell do I mean by that?
0: <laughs> Great question. I was just about to ask.
2: <sighs> so there was a conversation that happened in Cat's Room and Clubhouse last week about royalties, mm-hmm. uh, royalties uh, for choreographers, because the choreography made the song commercially successful. I believe that, Mm -hmm. I 100% believe that. I have well-documented and copywritten works that actually celebrates that. And we'll talk about that another day offline. Mm -hmm. I 100% believe that. Here's the challenge. Choreographers, the hurdle that they're gonna have to clear here, which I think is gonna be the highest hurdle is being able to prove that they have been artistic contributors to the composition of the song. Mm. And here's the harsh reality. If you are not a songwriter and you are not a producer or composer, Mm -hmm. if the song does not use uh, derivative sample use from another song, if you were not part of the composition of the song choreographers must understand that that's not the hurdle that they want to clear.
3: Hmm.
2: And if you want to clear that hurdle, just know that that's going to be a high one. And I used to run the hurdles in high school. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that hurdle caught in between your crotch. You don't want that.
0: <laughs> we're, we're going to need a pole vault.
2: <laughs> You're to, exactly. Well we're done. Going Thank track you. and
0: field here.
2: <laughs> exactly. I would however, I was a
0: triple jumper myself.
2: However, <laughs> so long legs. So, so, uh, so, so, Thank you guys for allowing me to be harshly realistic about that. Cause I'm coming from the label point of view as my friend just referred to a second ago. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that's going to be a hurdle there, but here's the flip side of it. Choreography is to music and the audio visual rendering of entertainment as songwriting is to a song. If you want cat, or any other, any other choreographer to actually give a visual interpretation of this song that we know as choreography, you're asking Kat to work for you and to interpret and share her intellectual property as to what this song looks like. That's intellectual property. No one can okay. defy that the challenge is also another pretty low hurdle that doesn't have a whole bunch of precedents is that there has not been a community that has gone out and advocated for this intellectual property which 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 you got which you guys and gals as creators you have not gone out as a community and said hey i'm going to choreograph this song for you but this is exactly what I'm choreograph. This is exactly what I'm licensing the choreography for whether you're licensing it into perpetuity, or if you're licensing it uh, with limitations or specifically for particular mediums for it to be exploited. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I believe that there is a great opportunity for choreographers to arrive at a formula, specifically in the music space where their works can be not just protected, uh, but where their works can be respected for what it is because the music industry respects the works of songwriters and they respect the works of producers. If they're able to do that, they can certainly do it for choreographers.
0: And it's starting to happen. Some some choreographers are successfully broaching that breaching broaching i always struggle with that you guys
2: uh broaching i, I think they're 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 breaking wow. ground
0: yes yeah that's
2: what they're doing they're A breaking ground
0: interesting things going on um lawsuits and and such exciting things mm-hmm. that we choreographers love. can i pay you back yes go um
1: one thing I learned on this clubhouse and I, I don't work in the artist mm-hmm. world as much. I've done a few mm-hmm. things, but, um, and I also follow up with my agent after our mm-hmm. clubhouse was a lot of choreographers and correct me if I'm wrong for artist work, don't sign a contract. There's no paperwork. It's just a handshake and here's some yeah. money. So that alone. So I think that's, I think what Craig is saying with a, a, a room for a you know for something that can happen in music it's like what if we had a contract that said uh you can use this work but if it's moved to a new media we have to renegotiate my contract or like craig was saying if you want to have it in your contract where well, you can use it for its life and you know this is going to be the next big thing you know it's going to be the next thriller or whatever just because you feel it your day rate's going to change and that initial rate is going to change if it's for eternity, or for the whole tour, or whatever. But so I think having a contract with language that does have work for hire, unless da 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 da, or like you said, it's just for this. If you use it somewhere else, you have to renegotiate my contract. And if we have our own contract and it's signed, then that's legally binding.
2: So k- k- please, this is okay. So this this conversation gets really exciting for me. So <laughs> may I, uh, Dana? Please. I want to expound on uh, what. Uh, Uh, what Kat just said. So yes, it's a handshake most of the time in the music industry. And because of the salacious and often incestuous business that the music industry is good for, and I'm saying this as a person that's witnessed it, Mm -hmm. I'm saying this as a person that's been charged with looking the other way sometimes, uh, but I'm also saying it with the gumption to be able to admit that that exists. That's part of the challenge for choreographers, that handshake ain't good. But I'm, I'm inspired to share uh, something, a little secret that it's foolish that it's a secret. No recording artist wants to hire Kat Burns to recycle her choreography across all the artists that she works with. Every artist wants exclusivity in their movement. There's value there. If you want me to give you something original, I will do that for you. Surely I am work for hire, but let's protect this choreography that I am producing or designing for you. And the best way for it to be protected is I'm giving you exclusivity over use of this choreography for these terms, but it it is my choreography. I need to be credited for it. And since I can't be credited for it in the music video, Let's be credit let, let me let me possess credit of it in a copyright. This mm-hmm. is easy stuff.
0: Mm. That's an exquisite perspective. Thank you for adding that. <laughs> it seems so simple when you say it that way. It, it, it seems it, like this is so very achievable.
2: It, it It is. it is. I mean, it's gonna it, you know it's it's uh you know it's you know it's basically trying to the music industry, they don't understand dance. Mm-hmm. I've as a business, the music industry, and I'm not talking about individuals, but I'm talking about on a grand scale, they don't understand dance as a business. They don't understand the economy and the industry of the professionals that comprise of the dance industry. And they don't understand choreography in that facet of the industry either. Mm-hmm. The only thing that they understand is that this particular choreographer worked with this biggest name. So this choreographer is going to work until eternity. Although they've created oh. nothing, they've originated nothing for the 30 years that they've been working, but they worked in this one music video for this artist. No disrespect to that choreographer, but I, I bring that up to, to, to and I didn't say any names and I don't have any, because there's, there's quite a few that continue to work because of their name. God bless them for establishing a brand. I say this all to say that the music industry is hungering for education. About mm-hmm. the dance industry, it's hungering for education about the originality of 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 creative executives like Cat Burns or Jack Knight or uh, Brian Friedman or any court you you n- name them, okay? They are hungering for that and they haven't been educated yet.
0: To, to back up a little bit to your point about being hopeful that there is, there are hurdles that are leapable, so to um, <laughs> if, if you're hopeful. So to if, if you're hopeful, I'm hopeful. And I also, I I believe if the labels and other productions are hungry to be educated, I'm doubly hopeful because I think that choreographers make up some of the most talented teachers that I know. No question and um if if we're about educating ourselves through discussions like these and through the clubhouses that that cat's been hosting um if we're if we're open to educating ourselves and open to educating those on the other side of of these production you know these negotiations then something will move eventually we will we will see progress and we will see gains in our our day-to-day productivity but certainly not without solidarity so I yeah, if uh-huh. I if I were to really whittle this down, I would hope that choreographers keep a more open communication with each other. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what. I what we achieved with dance with the dance community and music videos was tremendous. Think about in terms of numbers, Ooh. think about how many more dancers there are. Mm-hmm. Or younger more varied in skill set. I mean, yeah. trust me, what a choreographer is asked to do from job to job does vary tremendously.
3: Absolutely. But
0: so do dancers and their skill sets. So what we did with the dance community, I think was extremely difficult. And I, I believe I'm extremely hope- hopeful in being able to organize choreographers. Number one, we're a smaller collection of people. Number two, we <laughs> embarrassingly, but notoriously, do care about money. I think it's kind of this prestige, this this dance culture thing to not care about money. I don't think the same is true for choreographers. I think we really do care about our financial stability. In general, we're older. We are looking to have or have already families and retire someday. Those are all things that are important to a choreographer. So I really think that this organizational effort will be one that is successful period where don't know when not sure but it's definitely going to happen especially with people like you guys on on our side
2: Cat, cat
0: yeah cat hey hey
1: well uh thanks dana again um for being so articulate and craig for i've learned so much from you over the past really few months, we've kind of like died
2: no, in. We did. To, I, I um, left SAG after, reinstated. and then we really locked in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and to talk on a few things, like we definitely, choreographers definitely need dancer support. There's a lot of things that I myself as a choreographer aren't aware of other choreographers' practices because I'm in a yeah. different world. And dancers need to know that choreographers, for the most part, are in their own little islands. And yeah. if one choreographer is doing something good or bad, uh, chances are no other choreographer not know. knows about yeah. it. So don't lump us all into the same thing. If I hear all choreographers do this, I'll be like, they wait, don't name names. Cause that's not, that, and, and <laughs> so, but, but all, that's not true. It's Maybe talk that's to people and communicate. Yeah. And on, on, the, on the side of communication, I think one thing the community of dancing choreographers can do as a whole better is to not tear anyone else down we have a tendency of pointing fingers and naming names and saying how we've been mistreated, which I totally understand because we're angry as a whole. And that's good. We want representation, but we should fight for each other and stick up for each other. And when you talk about things and I say, talk about it, share, don't share anyone else's information. (laughs) Do not use names and jobs and people. And I heard they did. we can say, I've heard of a choreographer making this Mm -hmm. much a day. I've heard as little as this a day, but don't share my information, even if you heard on a mm-hmm. podcast. I just think, I think that's good practice to yeah. move forward. And Dana, you had said something to me that you would learn from something yes. else about sharing and uh, learning that I'd love for you yeah, to Yes. One of my,
0: my favorite new guiding principles in terms of keeping um, keeping and honoring safe spaces and, and open floors on which to share, but also the importance of actually sharing so that there is progress. Not all of this is happening in a vacuum. Uh, and that is this notion of what is learned here is shared, but what is shared here stays here. And I, I really do love this oh, idea, wow. right? The the empirical evidence, the, the facts, the information that you learn, take it out there in the world, tell your friends, but the, the personal, the private, the the griefs and the emotional state that we bring to the floor when we step up to speak about these issues, that's that stays. That stays right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, love so, that. Yeah, listeners, that. take that, take that, and run with it, or protect it. Take, take that. It. Take
2: that. Take that.
0: Take that. that. Um, well, my friends, I think it is quite clear we could do this for a very long time, and I know on on some of these issues, especially the idea of copyright or licensing dance in general, we have barely scratched the surface. That is such interesting subject matter for me, but also, you know, deep and delicate. So, uh, well, let's leave that where it stands today. I'll thank you both very much for your time and talent and brains, um, and we'll do this again sometime.
2: Thank you, Dana.
0: Thanks, Dana. Absolutely. Big love, big love. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye or hug. I always wave.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Bye.
0: All right, my friends. What do you think? Have you learned something new? Are you inspired? Are you eager to act in solidarity with your choreography brothers and sisters? (laughs) I certainly hope so. I hope that you make a habit to not take credit for things that are not yours. I hope that you make it a habit to talk with your peers about what you do, about what's working, about what could be working better. And I hope that if any questions sprung up for you during this episode, you wrote them down and will send them to me over at words that move me podcast on Instagram because the last episode of March will be a Q&A episode. I'll be answering all your questions regarding dance, choreography, financial systems, income, outcome, <laughs> all of your questions from Money March in the last episode this month. So if you are listening to this on the time of its release, you've got a good week and a half or so, but I encourage you, act fast so that I can get your questions answered. Um, If you happen to have missed the deadline, if you're already listening to this way after the fact, you can still reach out at words that move me podcast on Instagram. Um, Really do and love engaging with you all in that space. And I love finding answers to questions. I think really, truly, that's why we're all here, right? (laughs) Okay, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope to hear all of your questions and answer them very, very soon. And I hope that you get out there right this minute and keep it funky. I'll talk to you later. Me again. Wondering if you ever noticed that one more time almost never means one more time. (laughs) Well, here on the podcast, one more thing actually means two more things. Number one thing. If you're digging the pod, if these words are moving you, please don't forget to download, subscribe, and leave a rating or review because your words move me too. Number two thing, I make more than weekly podcasts. So please visit thedanerwilson.com for links to free workshops and so, so, so much more. All right, that's it now, for real. Talk to you soon.
3: Bye.